1: evening. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. Happy Friday. Um I just spoke with Ward Five City Councilor Scott Lima and he wants to join us on air, so here he is. Good evening, Scott.
0: Hey Marcus, how are you? Good, how you doing? Good, can you hear me okay? I have you on speaker is...
1: I can hear you uh I can hear you great.
0: Okay, great. Just wanted to make sure. So I want to uh thank you again for having me on the show. Of course um it's, uh and I, I just Friday night's my favorite night, so... Um, thank you. I, I, I love listening to your show, and, and thank you for having me on. So I told you that I would keep it topical, um, and so what I was calling about was, um, and I spoke to Tim Weisberg uh, earl- earlier today, was um, something that I feel I have a, I had a privilege yesterday. When I say a privilege, I had the privilege of standing in front of City Hall um, in the midst of the protesters mm-hmm. um, that were there. So city council meeting starts at seven o'clock i arrived at city hall at 6 20 minutes before the meeting i arrived at six forty for, uh, on purpose uh, i could have showed up at, i could have showed up at 655 and went right into city hall and say i gotta get upstairs i arrived at six forty because i wanted to be right there to see the protest see what was going on and i stood right in the front row i didn't hide in the back i was right up front in the front row and what's here and Kind of the situation I'm in is, with the exception of folks that are there from the media, it's like 50 to 1. Like 50 mm-hmm. folks are there yeah. uh, uh, supporting rent control. There's there's me, who has made a public statement that I am going to be voting to sustain the mayor's veto. Yes. And among some of the chants that are going on are, vote them out, vote them out, <laughs> vote yeah. them out. And you, you're talking about me. I'm standing right next to you. <laughs> yeah, but course. I think it's a privilege to be able to stand there in this country and to be able to be at a peaceful protest Where you are okay with people standing right next to you saying "vote them out," right? So, so first of all, one of the reasons I vote every November is so that you can call me a knucklehead if you want to. Like you can (laughs) call Scott Lima a knucklehead. That's one of the main reasons I vote. That you can say that because in some countries, you do that to a politician, um, you'll be locked up for twenty-five years. So that's so it's 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 a privilege for me to be there. and I did speak to one of the organizers, Eric Andre, after the meeting. Um, uh, 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 our exchanges are never uh, on 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 the same page. But again, it's a privilege to be able to speak to one to, to one of the protesters. Now I'm going to get to the point that I want to get to. Sure. And that is 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 that people should run for office. Absolutely. When I ran for office, I ran on constituent services. I never planned to run for city council. I never planned it at all. My predecessor, Kerry Winterson, put on Facebook one day in February, six years ago, he was running. I, like, within five minutes, responded, I, I I'm running, okay? Ran on constituent services. So here's the point that I'm getting to. People should run, and the more people that run, the better. But just running on emotion, yeah. uh, that ain't good, because this is what happens, is if you're, especially a ward counselor, and you run, and you get elected, you're going to have to focus a lot more than on, on the emotional issue that you're tied up in right now. All day, every day, you're going to get phone calls, texts. It's the dead squirrel in the road. It's I didn't get my trash picked up. Today, I got a, I got a couple of phone calls on the leaves that didn't get picked up. That happens on Fridays. I got to handle that tomorrow. All kinds of things that come up. So the point that I'm getting, and I told you that I would keep it topical, is that people should run, and people are going to get out, out there and run. But what happens is you get this groundswell that happens – on one issue that is highly charged and emotional, and the job is about so much more than that. That I just kind of look at them saying, "You're going to have to bring more to the table than, than, than just that." And if you get in office and you're and you and you're elected, I'm weary of people who run on emotional issues because there's a whole lot of other stuff that you're going to have to do. And if you don't do it, the constituents aren't going to be happy. So I told you I keep it, it we keep it topical. And that's what I was calling about. With that I say people should run. Get out there.
1: Get well, out there and run. So so you think the that that's I, I think that's actually a, a a very good point. Um all the stuff that you have to do as a as especially as a ward counselor that's very constituent intensive, that's that goes beyond the scope of like the sort of the hot button Issues like rent uh, stabilization or rent control. Um, there's a lot more work to be done. But what you're saying is, I mean, you know, is rent control, do you think that's an emotional, uh, emotionally driven um, policy proposal?
0: No, I think the reaction that we're going to get people out there running when they can vote people out of office is, is emotional, and I don't have a problem with that. But if that's what you're running on, there's a whole lot of other stuff that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go to meetings sometimes three, four times a night. Yeah. environmental meeting this week, uh, something about park benches another day. Yeah. And this stuff that you have to do at night. Uh, you're going to be there on a public safety meeting. You're going to be there on the airport commission. You know, are we going to lease out a hangar to an airline? And those just aren't emotional issues. And there's a lot, a lot of work to be done. Um, the the waterfront development plans that we had uh, that, that that came up with rezoning and everything. Those reports are like 100 pages long. Right. Very detail-oriented. Um, so I, I, what I'm saying is is that to run on emotion, usually that doesn't work. People are going to have to come with something stronger than that. And if you do get elected, my fear is that when people get into office, they're going to forget that they don't have a clue of all the things that they really have to do. And the, and the issue at hand that you're really emotionally charged up about today may not even be on the table if you're there for... You know two years, which is three hundred and sixty five days times two about 730, seven hundred and thirty seven hundred forty days, or whatever you know maybe maybe twenty of those days you're gonna be dealing with that issue. the rest of the days you've got a lot of other stuff to do, and most people aren't ready for that work that's just that's just the fact
1: speaking with Scott Lima, he's the ward five city council- uh, he's the ward five city councilor, so it sounds like um it's not only a message to the uh candidates but also to the voters to look beyond that stuff and say okay well Uh, even if you support that what else are you going to do
0: marcus that's the point that i'm making that's the point that i'm making that's why i say when you get into office there's a whole lot of other stuff that you got to get done if you're not getting it done for the people the people need to know who they're voting for ahead of time and that's who this message really is to is be careful who you vote for because if they're just running on emotion, you're not going to get all that other stuff done. You're yeah. just not going to get it done. It's a lot of work. I, I've been doing it now. Now I can say I've been doing this for six years now, well, five five and a half years. Right, I haven't finished my sixth year. There's a lot of work to be done. So what I'm saying is, is people should run. Encourage people to run. This is a democracy. But if you're if you're a voter, make sure that that person's going to be doing all the work that they need to do because that emotion charge issue comes and goes. And you may be dealing with it like literally debating in city council, maybe twenty days out of that two-year term, based on the, all the meetings that we have. Right. So there's a lot of work to be done, and that's what the message is. The message is 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 to the voters, but support your candidate, who, whoever it is.
1: Um, this is this is this is how this country works. It's a strong message, Scott. I appreciate you calling in and bringing that to us. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss? No, no,
0: no, no. That's it. I. Uh, Appreciate the time. Um, I, I, I guess the last thing I would say, yeah, I mean, um, uh, very, very quickly, I'm, I'm glad to see that Carol Pimentel um, uh, was, was voted in last night, and that's A and B. That last night's meeting was not an easy meeting. It's tough to be out there, not only in front of City Hall, where you're standing with people who are, who are uh, 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 diametrically close to what you are, but then yeah. you're making a vote in city council. It's tough, but that's the job, and, um, and uh, it's not easy. I don't take it lightly, um, but I enjoy
1: what I do. Scott, I appreciate that. I think a really important message, uh, not just to candidates, but to the voters as well. Thanks for joining me and thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you so much. Have a good night. That was Ward 5 City Councilor Scott Lima, I think, with a strong message uh, to both candidates and voters. Um, and I think that's important, too. Obviously, the, the the issue, the policy of rent control is a serious policy and one that I think is worthy of debate and discussion. But he is right. There is a lot to talk about. There is a concrete, there is a whole suite of things that you have to do. You know, sit, you might be a councilor that sits on the water board or the, uh, or the traffic commission. You have to go to extra meetings for that. You might be in front of the park board on an issue that your constituents want to know about, like if you're the Ward 5 Councilor. Like if you're the ward five counselor and there's something going on with Buttonwood Park that you want to bring in front of the park, uh, the park commissioners, right? Uh, the commission on disability, right? They have city councilors speak before the before them too. There's uh, neighborhood meetings, right? Neighborhood meetings uh, in in you know every ward has uh, basically an assigned neighborhood meeting. I know one is now combined like wards one, two, and three, but still there's ward. Uh, there's ward residents that go to specific neighborhood meetings, and the council council uh, attendance is 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 frankly mandatory mandatory for those. So I think that's a really important message, and I appreciate Scott not only for listening but for 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 calling in to to bring that to our program. We got some calls on the line, so let's get to them. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening.
2: Hello, um, Mr. Lima, uh. Seemed you you uh, interceded, but he seemed to want to push uh, support, uh, highly enthusiastic support for rent stabilization as an emotional issue. But let me say this: uh, for any of the people who are going to be homeless, including families like the one uh, who called in in the morning and saw an entire family uh, lying on a field. Uh, they're not going to care about all these issues that he just brought up about, you know, civic projects and stuff like that. Well, that's
1: what he's saying. He said that, 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 that there's there's definitely an emotional component behind some stuff. Well, it's not but emotional.
2: It's economic. Well, yeah. That, that's the difference. I, he I got agree. Away, he, would, he got away with basically trying to reduce it to an emotional issue. But uh, it's both it's the fallacy yeah. of either or. It, it can be both emotional and highly economic. And uh, I, agree. I think it's an irresponsible uh, position to take uh, without some sort of supplementary uh, plan that he suggests will help solve this problem. Now, I went to the HUD uh, housing forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, and I, and I also read uh, Josh Amaral's uh, thirty two page report and yeah. it's all about damage control mm-hmm. uh, bo- both um, you know situations, how do you know what they're going to do for all the people that are going to be displaced, all oh, they have all these band aid programs, etc., But the only thing that will stop the real hemorrhaging is at the source, which is the greed of the landlords and uh, developers. Uh, to rent gouge, etc. So you need you need the rent stabilization to stop that, and uh, there has to be much more uh, discussion mm-hmm. of let's say temporary uh, housing st- stabilization, a moratorium on evictions, etc. Uh, we have yet to see now that the federal uh, COVID moratorium on evictions ended March thirty first. We have Yet to see the wave of people who are going to be affected yeah. uh, by this. Now, all these programs that HUD has, they're all nice on paper. Same thing with Josh Amaral. Well intended. Uh, all these organizations are going to pick up the slack and take care of all these people competing to get their services. And uh, believe me, that's going to be a buzzing confusion. Uh, if the evictions are allowed to take place fifty four percent of the people in New Bedford are renters, and that includes family members, etc yeah so uh, the Boston Globe published on april twenty third front page article about uh, how all the uh, legislators are basically people who own the rental properties and have vested interests in not uh, voting for any uh, rent stabilization. It's all they say 86% of the legislators, when they investigated their financial holdings, uh, have, uh, rental units or uh, own their own homes and have sure. no motivation in supporting it. Yeah. Now, I'll just end with this. Uh, the survey indicates that, uh, 75%, um, where is that? I'm I'm looking at the globe globe thing now. Uh, Okay, 75% of the people in Boston have been polled, and they want rent control Mm -hmm. or stabilization. And 65% of all Massachusetts uh, 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 residents were polled recently, and they want rent control. But you're going to find that probably only 5% of the 200 Legislators want rent control because they have a vested interest and in the, um, they should abstain from voting. And, and people on the city council last night should have, who, have, who are landlords should have abstained from voting. like Maria Jester, who uh, has said in public she's a landlord. Uh, these people have vested interests. Well, I think like Maria voted,
1: voted in favor of moving the question forward. I think Maria voted in favor of moving the question forward. So, you think so? No, Uh, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't think so. Uh, She was at
2: the Keith uh, Middle School meeting, and and I got that impression that uh, she was going to vote for it. So uh, we got a big problem here. We got the best democracy that money can buy, and we have uh, capitalism that uh, isn't interested in serving the needs of the majority of the people I agree with that. and they go for special interests which Landlord profiteers are a special interest group, Sir, I and they are gouging the country coast to coast. Sir,
1: you make some really great points, and I appreciate you calling in. But yeah.
2: I wanted to ask you what you learned from the New Bedford Light program that did a study. I will get into that
1: after. Grace Ferguson wrote a really good article on that. And I'm gonna do that tonight? Yeah, I will. I've All right, I'll be on. listening. Thanks All for
2: the time you gave me.
1: Absolutely. Right. We got some calls on. Let's go to them. Good evening. Hello.
3: Hey, good
4: evening.
1: How you doing?
3: Hey, how's it going? Um, like, what I find confusing about the rent stabilization piece is typically, isn't it Section Eight that that sends the well sets the standard for landlords? Because what I tend to find is landlords usually want to raise rents because they find out that you know Section Eight is paying so much for like the standard two, three, four bedrooms. And then they they realize that they're grossly uh, undervalued, and then they raise it. So, regarding rent stabilization, I don't think we can do anything until we fix Section Eight.
1: Wasn't Section Eight based on the 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 market? Don't yeah, they? correct. Like
3: yeah. Section Eight has uh, the set standards. Like they pay. Uh, say, for, like, a four-bedroom, 1650 for a three-bedroom, 1450 so sure. on and so, so on. So what I tend to see or even hear is that, <clears throat> for example, um, these landlords hear that, wow, Section 8 is paying, uh, you know, 1500 for a three-bedroom. I'm only charging 900 so I'm going to increase my rent. So I think there's, like, other... You know, microcosms that are going on that need to be discussed, as well as, like, the, um, for example, the Black Rocks of the world, right? That are buying up all these single family homes and now, um, renting, for example, uh, to, as a way of, you know, having, um, backing, backing their, uh, their dollar.
1: Yeah. I think right. Uh, I think section eight is also based on your individual income too, right? So again, I, I think it's more market forces than, um, than than necessarily them saying, "Okay, you pay this," and then the landlords are responding to that. I think it might be vice versa.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different issues. For example, like same thing, local local uh, landlords, right? They tend to give people chances. They tend tends to charge cheaper rents. I know I do with my tenants so on and so forth because you understand you understand, you can see you can look around like like i've said in the past you know if you're making five taking home five hundred dollars after taxes uh and you're working locally that's a pretty good paycheck for this area you know so landlords understand that and they're you know they they that's why they local landlords Tends to uh, charge cheaper rent. What I'm what I'm seeing is you have a lot of outside investors, especially right around now, uh, well, previously, when uh, interest rates are low, right, and the homes might be expensive, but these investors are coming from Boston, where a yeah. three-family might cost a million dollars, so they're selling their properties up there and buying three, yeah. or two, or three for the price of one. You know, so uh, they they don't have compassion. It's a business. It's like like what happened on Elm Street. You got a bunch of people that come in and they're saying, "All right, uh, rents are going up, or you have to move out." And these they're, people they're, are like
1: they're consolidating you know, the market. They're consolidating, and then they're, they're basically setting the market themselves because they have the yeah. monopoly and the resources.
3: Correct. So yeah. that's that's a lot of what's going on that needs to be discussed. Absolutely. Too. And I think a way to do like in terms of taxes is like let's give some tax incentives the owner-occupied people or the local landlords that are investing in the city and beautifying the homes and the neighborhoods and what's like tax the people the outside investors who are just here to make a profit right
1: yeah i think it's uh i i I think that's a i think that's a good point to raise um uh uh, i think that's a good point to raise in 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 sort of like like i said consolidating there's a lot of black rocks and Um, institutional organ, uh, institutional landlords like that that are consolidating the market and thus driving the rents up. Again, another reason I think a rent restriction might also be applicable, unless we're going to break up. uh, I mean, either way, I think we're, you know, we're we're talking about a significantly progressive left, um, idea in this circumstance. Right? Are we going to prevent institutional buyers from who have the capital from buying these? uh, properties or maybe breaking up some of their assets so that it can be more evenly distributed and maybe there's a little bit more competition or, you know, or are we going to, if they're going to have all these properties, are we going to say, okay, this is, you know, basically you can't raise it beyond this much because this is more than people can afford.
3: Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's a problem. It's a complex yeah. issue. Correct. Yeah. You, of course. It has, yeah. It's a multi-pronged approach. It's like something that's not going to be decided overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are there are certain things that we can do to alleviate some of the nonsense like i mean i who listen this is who I feel bad for I feel bad for the young uh the young couple that just came out of college and are trying to do the right thing right they're buying an uh a three family home living on the first floor or whatever and to supplement their income a little bit and so they could pay off the house and live a little bit cheaper. They're, over, they're being overpriced. They're paying like 500, $400,000, 500000 Their mortgages are astronomical. I mean, they really have no other choice than to ask those fourteen, fifteen dollars 1500 rents. Otherwise, they're going to be upside down. They're going to be taken out of their pocket every day to pay um, the extra. You know? So right. I feel bad for those people. Um, but again, that's, that's the nature of the beast. We see it every ten, oh, ten plus years, the cycles, the up and down. What we should be doing is investing in people and teaching them financial literacy. Like, I, I, that's where, I think that's where we're lacking because this isn't mom and dad's America where you can save and save and put your money in the bank and get 5%. That's not how money works anymore, unfortunately. So we need to start teaching these people these types of skills. And and that's, we won't, you know, hopefully that will help people that, you know, let's buy a home and then we could take out the equity and buy another home and invest locally and help each other out. Because at the end of the day... We're a community. We need to look out for each other in this community. That's who directly we, like, we directly see the impact right here. Like, we're always thinking, like, you know, uh, well, what's going on in
1: Washington?
3: That doesn't, uh, to an extent, that doesn't affect us. What we do in our community directly affects us.
1: Absolutely, man. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah. Hey, have a good night.
1: You as well. 508-996-0500.
5: Good evening. Uh, hey, Marcus. Hey, what's up? Uh, appreciate appreciate the coverage of housing. Thank you. Um, I uh, I sort of wish Councilor Lean were still on the air because I guess what I'm what I'm wondering about is what for for the councilors that voted against putting rent stabilization on the ballot is your read on it that they have. Uh, an equivalently serious plan to tackle housing costs in New Bedford? Like, do you think they have a sincere other plan they're proposing?
1: No, I think maybe that's part of the calculus in voting against it is that there there isn't really any um, like solid like sort of facts and figures type of proposals. I don't think there has been Mm -hmm. enough action at the you know uh, until fairly recently in the city level at the city level honestly
5: like for the for the opponents of rent stabilization like i i suppose the mayor has his plan but like do do the counselors that are against rent stabilization like are they are they like you know do they have a plan where they're like oh yes here's my plan to get get rent back down under a thousand dollars a month like is there such a thing that that anyone, anyone else has proposed? Because there's, you know, there's, there's Councilor Burgo's rent stabilization, then there's, you know, the mayor and Josh Amaral's plan, but, like, for the opponents of rent stabilization on the council, do they have anything else? That, like, do they have any ideas, or are they just against change?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a good question. Honestly, I know they're all broadly supportive of the... Uh, I think they're all broadly supportive of the mayor's plan, and though the, there's some talk about, you know, accessory dwelling units and uh, some ideas to spur some development but i think you're right i think there needs to be okay if you're against it if you're against this and i think part of the reason again they were uh, some a lot of the councils were against it was there wasn't any sort of hard con policy proposal to really be discussed in this particular situation maybe it's too complex of an issue to just say hey do you like this yes or no um but uh i think it's a good question i i I would say probably at this juncture there's there's probably thin on um on solutions to the problem
5: all right and then i guess my second question is i think one one part where i think the mayor has a point is that uh housing is regional right like if you if you work in downtown new bedford you work in fall river uh you know you work in in providence even right like you could you could you could live in new bedford you could live in dartmouth you could live wherever right and so um, you know, the Codfather wants to sell the Toll Brothers and, and build 105 condos uh, right over the line in Dartmouth. Um, but something tells me the folks in Dartmouth are not going to exactly be friendly to that proposal. And, well, that's,
1: a, that's a great point. Okay,
5: Dartmouth. Well, so, Marcus, Mark, can I just ask you, if I were to offer you even money that they break ground on more than 50 units of housing on the old Hawthorne Country Club by 2026, would you take that? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure.
1: I, I, they just sold the property, so uh, by right. 2026, I'd probably say no. You,
5: yeah, see? That's yeah. what I said, right? So, I don't know. I, I think that, like, the I'd be, I don't know. I, I feel like there are... There's a, definitely like, a nimby attitude in, in the surrounding
1: yeah. towns. I, I, You know, I talked about this uh, with the Rogers School in Fairhaven. You know, that's been languishing for 10 years. I think the, nece- the like, only and necessary... Uh, resolution with the Rogers School is to develop that property for more housing. It's definitely a need in Fairhaven. It's a need anywhere. It's a need everywhere. This is a regional and even a national problem. But we saw some of the re- the visceral reaction and some of it I understand uh, to from a lot of people in the neighborhoods. But I remember one of them in particular saying it's like a Melville Towers being built in our quaint little town. And it's like, well, that sounds honestly borderline racist and frankly like what if there was a melville towers in our in in our quaint little town i live here i think that'd be perfectly fine i think it's something that we kind of need to do
5: pretty boring that might be an improvement Um,
1: (laughs) yeah exactly i agree
5: uh, i i guess i would say too is the uh that thinking about uh thinking about dartmouth and thinking about the kind of development there it's like if you're if you're anti-gentrification in New Bedford, you should be pro-gentrifying a defunct golf course that's slowly rotting. Like yeah. that seems that seems like a pro to me, but Absolutely. I don't know. I, 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 would anticipate that, uh, the Dartmouth Town meeting members might not, might not like that. Anyway, I appreciate the coverage, Marcus.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right. We got to take a break. Uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can join in on the discussion. I'm going to take this break. We'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. <clears throat> Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrell, 508-996-0500. You may have heard Ward 5 City Councilor Scott Lima call in at the beginning of the program and, uh, discuss some of the, um, the reaction to, voting down the ballot questions particularly the rent stabilization ballot question and he had said uh you know make uh if you're running if you're going to run for office because there were calls to vote people out who voted against the, the ballot question um Look beyond that issue because a lot of this could be emotionally charged and not taking into consideration the broader um, policy work that's done that isn't necessarily held in the council chambers. So um, that'll be up on WBSM.com later. You can check it out if you want Council Lima's full comments. I appreciate him calling in and bringing up those points. You heard some uh, uh, talk from, You heard conversations from callers talking about the housing issue, the biggest issue going on right now really in the country, not just in New Bedford or in the South Coast. There was a, a good. I got to. I got a chance to read it. Uh, Grace Ferguson um, wrote. She's been the housing reporter at New Bedford Light. She wrote a really good piece on on rent control and its effects on in certain um, in certain cities Uh, you know they talked about I think in Cambridge and in Boston from 1971 to 1994 is when uh, they had a rent control or or rent stabilization some sort of restriction on rent and they talked about a San she talked about a San Francisco study in 2019 I had Grace Ferguson on to talk about the the um, the home equity theft, um, uh, the home equity theft law. And I actually wanted to talk a little bit about, I'm not going to have time probably tonight, but I wanted to talk a little bit about that at some point, probably next week we can talk about it. But basically in that article, there were a few key points, uh, that they were making with rent control. It does, um, uh, it does, you know, in areas that, that were studied, it does, keep rents lower, it prevents uh, displacement, but it also removes the availability of, uh, it also what they're saying is removes the availability of uh, rental units because they're they're saying basically people who are in rent-controlled apartments um, or rent-stabilized apartments, are less likely to leave um, because they're uh, because of the price of the of the rent there, and they're saying that landlords in rent controlled or rent stabilized cities are more likely to um, take their units off the market. A lot of them were condoed, right? Uh, I think they I said one city, fifteen percent of them were condoed, and they also. Um, Said that there is uh, less likelihood of repair because there is fewer resources at the landlord's disposal to make the repairs um, to the to the uh, to the apartments or make improvements uh, to the apartments, um, and so. But, but you know, here is the thing with that. I think you know the the fact is, I think the fact that it does prevent displacement is actually the entire point of the law, or the entire point of the policy, um, but there may be, need to be some, they're saying basically, you know, you got to tread carefully on this because you may need to have policies in place to mitigate the consequences. There isn't a lot of evidence that rent control stunts uh, development in cities, in fact, because I, I know in particular, um, uh, actually, in particular, in the Boston, uh, Boston um, well, in the Statehouse, they have that, Rent control uh, bill that's usually filed every year. And then there's Michelle Wu in the Boston City Council's uh, Home Rule petition, which is before the State House. Now, it's important to remember in this conversation, I brought it up a few times, that rent control or any sort of restriction on rent is barred by state law because there was a ballot referendum in 1994. Right, and the it, it passed I don't think it passed by a lot. I think it barely passed I don't think it passed by a lot. I would argue that conditions have materially changed since 1994 in a big way, and that would warrant this discussion being brought up again, but any city or town that needs rent stabilization or rent control or wants to pass some sort of restriction on rent is going to have to ask the state house for special permission itself. Boston's moved forward with theirs New Bedford's having this conversation now, and Cambridge is moving forward with their own rent. Rent control or rent stabilization policy themselves. So I know I remember ta- uh, listening. I was listening to uh, the the Commonwealth Magazine podcast, the podcast, and they had um, they had a state they had a state rep. I forget her name, unfortunately, um, but they had a state rep and they had someone representing landlords in Boston. They talked about they really delved into the nuances of the policy that was proposed in Boston. Like someone said, it's going to spur new development. and The state rep said, "Well, actually." You know, in this rent control uh, policy, develop um, the rent the rent restrictions don't apply to developments in the first 15 years of their life. So, once a building's built and there's units available and those units are to be rented, there's a 15 year waiting period before rent control or any rent restrictions are implemented. Are implemented in the, um, are implemented in, um, in that particular unit. I know there's also, in Boston in particular, I know tenement housing is actually, um, not included in the, um, not re- included in the rent restriction or rent control, um, uh, policy as well. So what they said was it can actually, it can actually prevent displacement. Um, It does lessen the availability of – it does lessen the availability of units because people are more likely to stay in those units, which could create a supply – which could exacerbate a a, a supply issue, which is they're saying they need to have policy proposals to sort of mitigate those supply supply issues. But there isn't really a lot of development – a lot of evidence that – these they restrict development there is evidence that they do reduce the availability by people staying in these apartments and sometimes they say people even outgrow the apartments and they're willing to stay there is that compelling enough to say you know this policy isn't you know uh worth talking about i don't think so um i I just think like they said it's basically this can work to it, it can actually fulfill the certain policy goals that it tries to fulfill which is less displacement um, but it may lessen the availability of rent so uh, I mean uh, availability of units and there have to be some policy considerations going forward to try to mitigate that so we got some calls on the line I got a very quick break we got to take and we'll get to those calls stay tuned 1420 WBSM
0: where freedom of speech lives one's on the left, left the other on the
2: right right But they're both ready to call it
0: right down the middle. More of Marcus and Chris on South Coast tonight here on
1: WBSM. Hey, welcome back. Let's go to the phones. Good evening.
4: Good evening, Marcus. How's
1: it going?
4: Oh, it's going well. Uh, You know, after uh, Councilor Lima, uh, you know, got off, you had, I think, three people there that uh, made very... Interesting arguments uh, about what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, Very intelligent.
1: Excellent calls. Yeah,
4: Yeah, uh, excellent calls. Excellent responses, and uh, you know, uh, it it, it speaks for your show and and people are listening. The thing I wanted to mention was I uh, watched uh, Channel Twelve the other day, and uh, they covered the uh, City Council and the people that were outside and what Mm -hmm. happened, the results of of the of the vote and everything. Uh, but there was a man on, I don't know if I'm the name uh, right, Droulet or Droulette.
1: Rich, uh, Rich Droulet, he's yeah. the chair of the Democratic uh, City Committee.
4: Yeah, and what he he mentioned uh, you know, was that, that the, you know, an elderly uh, lady that uh, was in a tenement house for 20 years and um, modest increases, and now that elderly person, uh, if you don't have any type of... You know, uh, stabilization or whatever is going to be without a uh, you know without, without a, a place to live after so many years. Mm-hmm. Again, when you're younger, and I know this for myself, uh, you know I you know uh, like like when I was your age, I had a decent job, I had friends, and I had to move a number of times. And between uh, you know having furniture shipped there from a store and friends to help me, I could move very easily. But a person like that, you know, it, it's it's very difficult for that person to move and. I hope uh, someone can come up with uh, some sort of, uh, you know, compromise where we can get uh, people, uh, you know, being able to pay for their, uh, you know, their living. Because, again, at at my age, 50 bucks to you is nothing. I know when I used to be a young Mm -hmm. guy going out, 50 bucks was a night out in the town years ago. Yeah. Uh, But now 50 bucks is a lot more. Of course. And, uh, uh, again, uh, you know, uh, the mayor has come out with his plan, but where's the beef? You know, and what's you know, it's a plan, but now it's to try to uh, have the plan, uh, you know, enact and get something done. And it, I think it has to be done quickly. Otherwise, uh, you know, if this is the poorest uh, area of the state and that has the cheapest rents, what are we going to do if the people can't afford them? Put them in a boat and ship them off to Martha's Vineyard and have them ship them back to us. You know, so, right uh, again, uh, what is your feeling on? Uh, Rent control. Are you for it or are you against it or what do you – or rent uh, stabilization? I, you know, I don't think – You're take, a liberal. I, you, I know. Do do? I
1: know. Uh, uh, I'm not as – I mean, you know, uh, Chris uh, is more steadfast – I'll say Chris is more steadfastly against it than I oh, am. He's
4: laissez and I, I don't think blatant lazy fair, you know, works in this situation. Are you calling me – you're call. saying I'm
1: laissez-faire? No, no. Chris is. Oh.
4: Chris is lazy fair. <laughs> You're not, oh, you know? but okay. I'm saying uh, I, I don't think a lousy fair approaching this and let the market say. Well, you know well, all the traffic is right I, 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 I think
1: I um, think as much Chris, as I love Chris, Chris is more Chris is more steadfast. Like I said, Chris is steadfastly against it, and. Um, I'm less so than he is, uh, by, by contrast, we, you know, we're, we have some political dis, you know, we have obviously political disagreements that's so yep. part of the show. Yep. The, the, I think it's something that's worth, I think it's something that's worth a discussion. Um, you know, you look at that New Bedford light piece, they, they're talking about, well, some of the things that it does do is keep people in their keep people in the, those units longer and it prevents displacement and it keeps rents relatively low, which seems like the, stated policy goal of rent control or rent stabilization slash rent stabilization um the only i guess the hang-ups are the availability of units which i guess could be mitigated i guess mitigated by policy so i I think it's something that's definitely worth discussing i don't think it's a something that can be rejected completely out of hand as something like oh it doesn't work well
4: Uh, you know it's, it's always portrayed that people are willing to gobble up these places I had to sell a property. I could no longer hold on to it. I held on to it for three years after a family member passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, next door, there's a six-decker. Yeah. And uh, the, the six-decker, right, there was a gentleman that lived there that I got to know. And he's on the street now, okay? And uh, he told me that most of the people moved out. They were charging him 750 and now they went up to 1200 And he said, if you go by the place, most of the people out, and There's nobody in there. There's two, people, two units left on a six-decker. So this idea that all the time going up, 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 up is going to, you know, is going to be okay. Evidently, with that particular property, it it, it isn't. Uh, you know, there's two two units that are uh, paying the, the, the well
1: six decker might be less, uh, you know, for twelve hundred dollars, it might be less attractive for some people than let's say like a loft building or maybe a two decker. Well, again, or uh,
4: housing is housing. Neighborhood you know? housing is housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Marcus and. If you need a place to live, you got to go where you, where you can afford. I'm just saying, uh, at $1,200, uh, he wasn't getting any takers. The, the, I think it yeah. was a corporation that bought it, or you know, I, I knew the person who was the landlord. His name was Eric, and I, I won't go any further than that. He was again an individual investor. It wasn't one of these you know, corporate groups in investing uh, that sure. sort of thing. Uh, again, uh, you know, I, I think about you know people wanting to invest in New Bedford. Uh, are they really going to want to invest? I think where you see the Toll Brothers wanting to put uh, 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 houses out at Hawthorne uh, 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 Country Club, uh, that's more like, I think, what you might want to see.
1: Uh, well, Dar- Dartmouth's been better at, at that than, than, than like Fairhaven well, or the other surrounding the towns. They have
4: the land. They, yeah. ha-
1: they do have the land. I if mean, their remember, populations, they're, they're actually, Dartmouth's getting the, to the point where they're almost the city. Yeah, um, but if,
4: Yes, exactly. If yeah. you remember years ago, too, there was talk about, turning Allendale Country Club into a uh, in, in, in development, and that was fight against that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, you know, eventually wanted to preserve green space, but that could go to uh, mm-hmm. Allendale if if, uh, if uh, Hopper... Sure. So the people are going to go where they think they can make money, and they can make money in Dartmouth, okay? But I don't know, with all the buildings we have in New Bedford, if we're going to get this type of gentrification in what we have, you know? Um... I just hope some solution can uh, be come, can, can come up with uh, with people who uh, you know use their brains as well as emotion and their heart and say uh, we you know we have to have something because uh, we, we're just going to have people living in Riverside Park uh, that's that's not a good look. Uh, it's just a whole family being out there. I, I can't believe uh, that this is the country that, that we're in now. You know.
1: I agree. And, yeah. Uh,
4: I, I, I'll i tell you another thing, I in making fun of it in a sense, but maybe for humorous. I think of the song when I was a kid, when I'm 64, you know, I could be happy, mending a fuse when your lights are down, indicating, you know, precisely what you mean to say, you're sincerely wasting away, you know, that sort of thing. If you, if you look at the lyrics of that, that kind of reflects on today, and when I was 15, I never thought it would be, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. We could get a college, in, uh, a cottage in the Isle of Wight if it's not too dear. We shall scrimp and save. You know, I, I think people my age uh, uh, are, f- are faced with that if they, you know, um, worked in, the, in, in, the, in the, you know, the jobs in the factories here and might be at that age now and wondering where they, where are they going to go? That sort of stuff after they pay taxes all their lives and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So uh,
1: yeah, I know your money's. Uh, it's, it's true, everything's expensive and your money's worth a lot less now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate.
4: Yeah, yeah, and again, like when. When you say, well, you know, fifteen hundred dollars, well, I think the average social security is fifteen hundred dollars. I think the top social security is uh, maybe twenty seven, if you make yeah, it's around up. that, yeah. So again, for you,
1: that's if you're a top earner. Yeah, that's, if, that's,
4: that's, if you're a top earner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, again, you know, you're in the your midlife, and I, I don't know how well you're doing or something. Maybe for you that's not much money, uh, no. you know, but you're in the, the mid, your mid-career, you might say. Mm-hmm. Uh, for someone who's already passed like me, yeah. and uh, I'm on a fixed income, uh, if I didn't buy my house uh, upon the kindly advice of a good landlord who, who gave me a break, yeah. I'd be in big trouble right now with what I'm collecting. Of I'd course. I'd be in big trouble, that yeah. sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, so I, I hope there can be some sort of, uh, you know, well, but, but another thing, Lisa White on this. I, I had heard that she was for the or willing to listen to some sort of rent, uh, what do you call it, modification. Is, did you hear anything? She was
1: on, on with Tim a while back. Uh, I thought she, her and her and Bergo had like a debate in a community forum where she I think she was the opposition. He was the he was the uh, he was the. Proponent, so I'm
4: not sure. I mean, she. Okay, I, I thought I heard something the other day. She might, she
1: might have, uh, she might have. Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to double check. Tim will have a better grasp on that than I do because yeah. Tim, it was Tim was on the interview. To, I, I listened to most of it, but yeah, me too. Yeah,
4: but I, but but I thought last night or something she was with, you know, some sort of modification that she could live with again. That I who,
1: think there are some local landlords that are for some type of uh, that are that are open. I would say open to to some type of rent restriction. I mean, actually, yeah. counter Burgo, when he came here to first announced that he was putting this question forward, mm-hmm. had said he would spoke with some quote unquote mom and pop landlords and they said they were open to it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the mom and pop landlords are looking for the, uh, the, the, tenant that, okay, we're not going to rape you with, with money, but you're going to treat our property well too, and respect our, uh, the rules of our property, which corporate, yeah. if it comes in, they just want the money. And hey, I thanks, see you later, you know, that sort of stuff. Right, And, uh, Hey, uh, well, again, a very interesting show. Uh, Thank you. And, Mar- Marcus, and, uh, like I say, uh, you, you, you made Channel 12 the other day, and they, would, and they, had, they had actually a picture inside the uh, the city council. Uh, again, it would have been wonderful if our cable company could get in there and broadcast the uh, that meeting live.
1: Yeah. Very I think they're working on it. They'll be there soon.
4: Well, I hope they get there sooner uh, than later.
1: Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. All right, my
4: it. friend. You take care, huh?
1: I got to take this break. By the way, guys, I'm off on Mo- – I'm I'm not going to be here Monday and Tuesday. I'll be back Wednesday. There will be somebody here, though. I just want to let you guys know that. We got to take this break. We'll be right back.